0: All right, happy Friday. Welcome back to Sports Talk. Two and a half with you here on uh, what's going to be a very, very busy day. little grand funk to get your weekend started. Memorial Day weekend. Where we honor those that have given the ultimate sacrifice to keep us uh, healthy and protected all these years. And to everybody um, who has ever uh, served in the military, uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, keeping us safe. Definitely uh, more and more reflection after uh, the incidents of earlier this week in Uvalde, that's for sure. All right, uh, we've got a lot to cover on the program today. Uh, we've got a lot of guests lined up today. It's going to be a busy one. 420, Kirk Gross from Powerable Bats is going to talk about what it was like for him yesterday throwing BP at Dodger Stadium. Adrian, I'm already looking into... Um, uh, potentially going out to Dodger stadium next month. And, uh, that is, uh, you know, that, that would be an unbelievable opportunity. And, uh, Hard to pass up, I'll be honest with you.
1: Yeah, just take the early flight, Steve. Come back the next day or, or a couple days after. Stay with Cody. He's stayed uh, plenty of times at your house, so maybe you could uh, sleep in his guest room or his guest couch, whatever he's got. Do you
0: really think he has a guest room or a guest couch? I'm going to
1: say yes, I'm going to, and maybe it's the dog's room or something like that, but uh, maybe you could uh, hang out there, Steve. You could sleep on the couch, hit BP, uh, cross that off a bucket list, and then uh, you're good. You're good to go.
0: One good swing, one good shot, um, and, and at least uh, you know hit the ball to where it it approaches the Dodger Stadium right field wall. That's oh, it. Yeah, that's right. That would be it. That would be amazing, man. Come it would on. be. Not you got to do it. You got to do it. Cody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hit fifteen out. Oh, like like it was, uh, you know, like like it's us doing a two and a half hour sports radio show, right? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hit fifteen.
1: Out. Yeah, no, no, no big deal. We broadcast from the NFL draft.
0: Yeah. yeah, He's like, I still got it. I still got it. All right, so uh, we'll do that at four twenty with Kirk Rose. Four thirty, Joe Rod will be with us. Joe Rodriguez. He's going to talk about the brand new um, coach uh, in charge at FC Juarez. Will this be different than the previous coaches? That's the million dollar question. You know, this club has spent like over five and a half million dollars in relegation fees over the last few seasons.
1: Man. You terrible. imagine that? No, I can't imagine. And uh that That relationship, that divorce that happened with uh, the Bravos, and also uh, Tuca, head coach Tuca, who just recently left.
0: Apparently it wasn't even a divorce. He just didn't want to, they offered to re-sign him and he said no thanks.
1: He just hated his job. He really did. Like he could not stand that job from what what it seemed like.
0: One of these guys that just can't win here. I mean, and that's one of the questions I'm going to ask Joe is why has this become such a hard place to win? In, in soccer? Yeah, that's a really good
1: question right there. I have no clue, Steve. I think I think, uh, Mountain Star Sports Group is trying to figure that out, too.
0: Yeah, because it's not like they're skipping on players or anything. They're pretty much uh, one of the highest uh, spenders in the league, and they're not seeing the return.
1: Yeah, if you're emptying out your wallet like this as an organization, as a as an ownership group, you're expecting wins. You're expecting championships, and that hasn't happened. Um,
0: Absolutely right. Five o'clock, we're going to meet two of the newest members of the UTEP minor basketball team, men's basketball team, a pair of walk-ons. Do we know yet? Is it pronounced Milos?
1: No clue, Steve. No clue. Uh, But uh, we'll get get that confirmation. You reached
0: out to him, right?
1: Yes. Yes, I did.
0: So he's coming on the show. Maybe it's Milos.
1: Maybe it's Milos. I'm not sure. And I tried to watch some videos, tried to watch some different interviews. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing out there yet. But we'll find out.
0: Did you ever watch that Seinfeld article, uh, Seinfeld episode where he was playing tennis against Milos?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Uh, were you a Seinfeld guy or not really?
1: I, you know, I've watched uh, bits and pieces of of all of the you know the, all the whole se- uh, series. I should say.
0: Yeah, it was fun though. Uh, that was a good one. I, I don't know. So I don't know if it's Milos, if it's Milos. We'll find out. So he's coming on at five, and then we got uh, Antoine Holmes at five twenty. Are they both phone interviews, by the way? What are yes, we doing? Yes,
1: we're doing inter- uh, phone interviews for both. Uh, Head coach Rod- Rodney Lewis will also join us for that uh, interview with Antoine oh, Holmes and nice. Chapin. So there we go. We have to a do great... a little,
0: uh, little party line. Yeah, most definitely. That'll work. And if that's not enough, at 6 o'clock, comedian BT, who's going to be back in El Paso in two weeks at the comic strip, uh, in, in uh, really, I-, I guess that's the second weekend in June, well, BT is going to join us. Because he is the foremost racing expert we have that we know, so I'll be honest with you. We've got the Monaco uh, Grand Prix for F1 this weekend, and also the Indianapolis 500. And rather than kill ourselves and our Rolodex trying to find a racing analyst, we just called um, the guy that is like Mister. Um, you know, he is he's Mister Racing. Uh, BT. Anybody that travels to Europe to go watch a motocross race tells you just how serious he is in that.
1: You know, uh, you mentioned F1, Steve. Uh, I need to watch the Drive to Survive on Netflix, the Formula One show, because I hear that once you watch that series, it's kind of like the Hard Knocks version of racing. They give, you, they give you the behind-the-scenes look at everything. Once you watch that, apparently you're hooked on F1, and apparently after you watch that, you're waking up early su- Saturdays, Sundays to watch these races. Uh, I have not gone down this rabbit hole yet. You uh, will. But I, I will, definitely, once I'm done with these movie reviews.
0: It's tough, isn't it? All these things to do. It's not easy. It really isn't. A lot of movie reviews for you. I,
1: I won't. I definitely want to see this show, though. This has to be on my radar.
0: Um, I'm sure it will be. I am sure it will be. So that's all coming up. And then we got hags and story time to end the show. Boy, we're busy today. We're, we are loaded down on a Friday afternoon uh, here on Sports Talk. It is not going to be easy. But Oh, and by the way, 5 o'clock tonight, the WAC tournament continues with Sacramento State and New Mexico State. So that's also uh, ongoing, and I believe is that the um, is that the WAC is that the WAC championship game, or is that the semifinals?
1: I'll do, I have to double check on that one, Steve. I haven't kept up with the WAC to
0: tournament yet in baseball, but let me oh. check on that. Lamar is playing Abilene Christian. That started at one o'clock. Okay, good. Okay, got you. So I believe these are the semis. So I think right now uh, New Mexico State's into the semifinals of the WAC tournament. Which, by the way. Uh, if you follow Aggie baseball, they were lucky to make the tournament. I mean, they had a win in their final weekend just to get in. And since then they've knocked off Rio Grande Valley and Sam Houston, two of the better seeds that they were gonna face in this thing. So uh, it's it's almost like a Cinderella story right now for the Aggies because if they win and go to the championship, nobody, and I mean nobody expected the Aggies to be uh, into the Final Four of the WAC baseball tournament.
1: And it started with their first-round upset and uh, how they were able to do that. Now they're just trying to uh, roll through this tournament. Let's see how far they can go. This is pr- really impressive by the Aggies. And, hey, I mean, once you're this far into it, it, it doesn't really matter. You definitely have a shot to try to win the championship.
0: 100%. 100%. So we'll do that uh, on the show today, and I'm excited about that. Um, and that's all, uh, once again, you know, that's that game is going to be going on over the last uh, 90 minutes of Sports Talk. So we'll update you on that score as it's, uh, as it's ready. Meanwhile, um, phone lines are open, 505 That's 505 Goodbye, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they departed the Western Conference Finals, and let's be honest, they were never in this one. I mean, you fall behind three games to none, uh, you would have had to win four in a row. Now, I'm happy they at least made it. Uh, they, they avoided the sweep, but that was about it. And the Warriors reign supreme. We all know Luka needs help. That seems to be the uh, one underlying factor of the Mavs' departure. And maybe you can even marvel at Luka and say he's so good that he pretty much put this team on his shoulders and took them all the way into the Western Conference Finals.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that 06 run LeBron James had with that terrible, terrible Cleveland Cavaliers team, and he willed that team to the the NBA Finals that year and they pretty much got blown out once they got there, but uh, just to make, just to hit that accomplishment, and just to uh, reach that mark was pretty impressive in itself. Luca was kind of doing the same thing this run. Uh, you know, going on the other side with the Warriors real quick, I, I just, you know, the way that they built this team, you look at the Lakers, you look at the Brooklyn Nets, you even look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Those teams in the offseason like to acquire those older veterans. And they think that, hey, by getting Avery Bradley, getting Kent Bazemore, those guys, you're getting a team full of veterans who've been there at the championship type of level the Warriors went the opposite direction. They said, let's go young. Let's start getting guys like Gary Payton II. Let's get Moses Moody out of Arkansas. You know, these younger players that they can really build on and it's proven to really help them out. I mean, they have the veteran guys already with Clay, Steph, and Draymond. Now you're mixing the older guys with these newer guys. Look look at what Jordan Poole did this whole playoff stretch. He's been killing it and uh, the Warriors, they're going to go into the finals as the favorites uh, either over Boston or or over uh, the Heat and they're going to be a tough team to beat in the Finals.
0: Very tough team to beat. Because let's be honest, they didn't look great early on, but this was by far and away the best uh, series they've had. Maybe the Warriors are just filled with the vets that know when to turn it on when they need to.
1: Yeah, that, that could definitely be the case with draymond Green he doesn't really do it uh, as much in the stat sheet, but you see what he could do when he 's on the floor playing it 's momentum with Golden State also their crowd is fantastic yeah. yesterday Dallas went on a 15 to two run in the third quarter and uh, you know the Warriors were still able to stave them off and that just shows you that even when other teams have these big runs with them in their home court they're able to flip the switch and, and get momentum right back on their side whenever they want
0: as far as Boston Miami goes, I think the Celtics will close out. The- the heat tonight uh it remains to be seen if there will be a game seven in miami look there's a lot there's there's a lot of ways to look at this I-, I don't think boston beats miami in a game seven on the road i i mean they did in game five or uh i understand that but this is their shot i mean you're home you've got game six you have the momentum you're deeper you're more talented miami is on the ropes. Adrian, this is when you deliver the knockout blow. This is when you put the Miami Heat out of their misery, end a great regular season, end a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals, but ultimately Celtics are in a great, great spot to win tonight.
1: They are. I feel like the Celtics are in this position right now, and we did not see this coming uh, back in January. We didn't see this back in February. It just speaks to how the Celtics really came together. Ime Odoka, first-year head coach, he's looking like a poised veteran out there as a head coach.
0: Lines are ringing in. Good to hear. 505-6009, our telephone number, 505-6009. I don't think I've ever seen the lines light up like this since we switched phone numbers. So that's great news. Memphis Drew's going to kick it off. 14 past the hour. Drew, how are you?
2: Doing good, Steve.
0: You? I'm well. Weekend's here. We've got a three-dayer. And uh, excited about that, Drew. And uh, excited uh, about everything that's going on in the sports world. That's for sure.
2: Yes, sir. We won't forget about those Veterans Memorial Day. That's right. They They paid the ultimate price for us.
0: That's exactly right. We talked about that at the beginning of the show and you're 100% right and we should, you know, be reminded of that all the time. Yes,
2: sir. Hey, you get as many Memphis Grizzlies calls as you do Dallas Mavericks, LA Lakers and New York Knicks. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> That's true. Uh, actually I get more Memphis Grizzlies calls than Knicks. Uh, about the same number as the Lakers, and more than the Mavericks. So, congratulations! You have the uh, you definitely are holding court right now.
2: Hey, I I wish Morant would have been healthy for those games. I believe it probably would have went to seven games, and we may have beat the Golden State Warriors.
0: I don't know. I mean, I did see. I mean, again, we'll never know when Morant. Uh, you know, because you're right, he wasn't a hundred percent, but. Um, it's just tough, man. The Warriors. This just one of those teams that I believe they're just you know, they're built for the playoffs. I think Memphis made strides. I think Memphis could easily be in the Western Conference Championship or the NBA Finals next year. I just don't know if they were ready yet. The best way to put it.
2: Yeah, I do. Next year is going to be very interesting. I can't hardly yep. wait. You got a uh, Kawhi Leonard coming back with the Clippers and uh, Minnesota's get in there. Denver's going to get some of their injured players back. That's right. And Dallas need going to get some people, so it's going to be very interesting next year.
0: Completely agree. With uh, what you.
2: do you think the Grizzlies need? I'll listen to you off the air.
0: All right. Good call. Thanks for getting in. Um and that's and that's a great question because um when you look at a team that did as well as they did and we're saying it, you know, they still they're not there yet. And that's the key is Um, Now, I mean, could Morant be Luka-like? They're different players. They're different. I mean, Morant's not a rebound guy. He's not a do-all-everything guy. He he dishes. He assists. I think that's important. Um, When I look at really what this team has right now and maybe what they could still use, Adrian, my biggest thing is it'd be nice if they had a center who could go down low, bang, do it all, drop 20 a game, get 10 plus boards and really uh, you know help uh, help clog the middle. They uh, they've got great guards, they've got good forwards. They just really don't have a center. On this team.
1: Yeah, I can see where you're going with that one. I, I would I would side with they probably need a wing. They probably need to upgrade that wing position. So you look at forward uh like wing guys this uh this offseason, like Miles Bridges from Charlotte, he fits their exact mold. Like he would be their perfect player that they could add. And Simons is a good off ball, uh, you know, backup in their backcourt. I think that could help them out a lot. They lose Tyus Jones this offseason, which is okay as in your backcourt. I can see where you're going with that one as far as the center. I just still like Jaron Jack. And uh, the the other players escaping me, who they've got as uh, down low, but nonetheless, I think their their wings are, are probably where they need to upgrade.
0: Steven Adams and um, really Xavier Tillman, those aren't the answers I at like the center Z- spot. I like Xavier
1: Tillman. He's young, man. He's young. Yeah. He's good.
0: Well, and that's the thing is, do they? He played in the playoffs. Remember, Steven Adams was kind of the guy during the regular season. Then they leaned on Tillman a little bit more. But I'm saying. Even with his upside, do you want somebody with a little more polish down low? Yes. And that's going to be the big question.
1: You need to upgrade from Steven Adams. Big time. Big time.
0: All right. Let me take one more call, then we'll get to um our first of many guests on the show. Oh, we lost John. I just I had him and I lost him. All right. John, do me a favor. Call back later. We'll get you up. 18 pass. Charlie's up with traffic. Here we go, Charlie. How are we doing? So yesterday we had Cody Decker on the program and was talking about what it was like to be out at Dodger Stadium testing the baseballs for the upcoming um, home run derby. That'll be part of All-Star Weekend at Dodger Stadium. El Paso and Kirk Rose had a chance to experience that firsthand. In fact, he took it a step further. He threw batting practice out there at Dodger Stadium, and he joins us live on the phones right now from Phoenix. Uh, You've done a lot in the baseball world since you started venturing into the bat industry with your company Power but uh, with all the stuff you've been a part of, all the games you've seen, does anything quite compare to what uh, yesterday was like for you?
3: Hey, Steve, thanks for having me on again. I'll I'll be honest. Yesterday was a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, top of the list, for sure. Nothing nothing even close uh, can can compare for that. with that. It was a great, great day.
0: When did you first find out about the opportunity to go to Dodger Stadium, Kurt?
3: Well, Cody called me a few weeks ago, and he said, Hey, I, I need a couple bats. He didn't tell me what it was for, but he said, I, I need you to hook me up with a couple bats. You have this model that we worked on, blah, blah, blah. I said, Yeah, of course. Okay, you got it. And then uh, he called me back uh, about two weeks ago, and he said, "Hey, man, um, we're going to be in Dodger Stadium. That's what I need the bats for." And um, your son Will—does he still hit? And, and you probably remember Will's a, uh, a college pitcher. He's not—he he hadn't picked up a bat in weeks. I said, right. "You know, um, when Cody told me what he was doing, I said if that's what it takes, he'll be a hitter at least for a day." So. Uh, he told me about two weeks ago, and then we started making plans to to head
0: out. Wow, what an awesome thing. And I know there are others there, and uh, Cody was talking about the setup in general. Because when you watch the Instagram video, I see you pitching, I see Cody hitting, I see Will hitting, and others as well. But you don't see all the behind-the-scenes people. And apparently there were quite a few yesterday connected with uh, Major League Baseball, ESPN, trying to make sure that this whole thing, was this test run went well.
3: Yeah, it was a, a real neat collaboration. We got to meet as a as a bat manufacturer once some of the, the technical folks found out who I was and what I was about. Um, after everything was said and done, we spent about 45 minutes talking about some upcoming testing that they want to do. So, like you said, Major League Baseball was there, and um, actually there were, I don't know, a dozen or, or 18 or so folks from Major League Baseball, but Um, come to find out there was a whole bigger team in New York that was watching all the video and assessing the video and and doing all the TrackMan uh, analysis that they want to do for the All-Star game. So MLB had a big presence there. Uh, ESPN, of course, had a big presence because they're the ones that are going to broadcast the Home Run Derby. And um, and then folks from the actual camera manufacturers were there because they're going to do a real neat setup where um, in front of... The home plate, there's going to be a little camera that pops up out of the dirt and pops back down uh, to give you an even greater uh, sense of being in the game. I'm really looking forward to that.
0: The crotch cam. I'm looking forward to that, too. That's going to be good. You know, who knows what they're
3: going to come up next. Exactly. Next, you know?
0: Exactly. Kirk Rose with us right now from Powerball Bat Company as we continue on Sports Talk. So, you've thrown batting practice a lot, primarily to your sons and all the teams you've been involved with. Um, when you went and started using their baseballs for what was their dry run, uh, was it did, it? did it feel different uh, than what you're used to, or was it very much the same kind of thing?
3: Well, I'll tell you, they had like three boxes and, and labeled really big on the outside. It said old cage balls. And when you open it up, you were hard-pressed to find a, a scratch on a baseball. That was their version of old cage balls at, at Dodger Stadium. So wow. that, that was sure was funny. They were all pristine pearls. Um, and then uh, underneath were about six dozen of the uh, T-Mobile home run balls. Uh, I guess the, the quote-unquote money ball. And that was kind of interesting because that ball, um, MLB wouldn't wouldn't uh, tell us for sure, but all they would say is that's what the rumor has uh, seemed like it was a little bit lighter, a little bit smaller, and, man, let me tell you, those balls went a long way. Uh, especially thanks to Cody. He got a hold of a couple of those the to ride for sure.
0: I heard. He told me he hit um oh, I think he hit one about four hundred and fifty feet. He said he just and then he said he crushed a regular baseball after that and it went about three hundred and seventy feet. So I guess it just goes to show you the distance difference between those money balls and then the regular baseballs.
3: Well, I tell you, the, the money ball that he hit just absolutely was just a nuke. I mean, it just kept going. It went about 30, 35 rows up in left center. And then the ball that he hit right after that, the money ball, I thought, oh, yeah, it's hit hard. Maybe, maybe a wall scraper. And it just took off. The other ball, holy cow. He hit the heck out of it, and it went into the second row. So that'll tell you the difference between the two balls.
0: Interesting. Really, really interesting. And, again, when when you're dealing with the home run derby, they're all new baseballs, right? So it's the regular all-star baseball, and then it's the money ball. So – uh, that's kind of the fun part uh, to note. Um, again, you've probably been to Dodger Stadium as a fan watching Dodger games over the years. Is it just a completely surreal experience when you're out there on the field and when a ball is hit, you're looking behind you and you're realizing you're on pretty uh, hallowed ground?
3: Oh no question. You think about all the you know the games that have been played in that stadium. Uh, Sandy Koufax to, you know, Kirk Gibson, home run and all the stuff that you, you've seen on TV. And like you said, I have been you know fortunate enough to watch a couple of games in Dodger Stadium. But I'll tell you, early in the morning, we got there about 630, uh, took the field at about seven, um, walked in from center field as soon as those gates opened up. And it was just like, holy cow, you heard angels singing in the background almost. And you when, when those gates opened and we took the field.
0: That's really cool too. Uh, the fact you were able to get on the field so early. So, if you were on the field at seven a.m., when did you get off the field? When did the experience end for you? You know, we did
3: uh, we did a lot of BP. In fact, my I can barely lift my my right arm today. I'll be honest with you; I'm a little sore. Um, we wrapped up about eleven about ten forty five Pacific time. So wow, we were out there quite a quite a while and. Um, you know, I think we got, uh, rumor has it, we're going to be asked to go back again in a month um, to do some more testing. And the folks from ESPN were great. And my son, Will, is a, is a lefty, so um, they asked him to stay a little bit and, and swing from the left-hand side. They were looking for very, very specific things as they were doing their, their analytics. Um, kind of interesting, they said the hardest ball to pick up for the track man to pick up and what they were really looking for are those high looping fly balls right on the foul pole both left field and right field and um you know we gave him quite a few of those everyone was looking for the short porch for the for the cheap homers
0: what is the short porch at Dodger Stadium there Curtis right down the line that's your best shot
3: yeah right down the line both left field and right field is 330 mm. um, you know the power alleys are about 375 and will didn't get one out he hit one off the wall in in right uh, uh not right center but But close to right center, probably 370. Hit one off the wall and had about a half dozen that bounced over. Um, But I I think that there was no wind yesterday either, which made things a a little interesting. A little bit of a of a haze and humidity when we got out there early, and but it turned out to be a beautiful day.
0: Was beautiful day. Was Will's best hit the uh, money ball or was it just a regular baseball?
3: No, regular baseball. He didn't even hit a money ball. We were laughing about it after. I didn't even realize it. I. I pitched to him for his two rounds and, or three rounds, and, and I didn't even have a money ball left in the bucket when, oh,
0: the, when man. he came up. So Yeah, that is yeah. tough. And, by the way, I mean, uh, it, to explain, I don't know what's tougher, trying to swing for two minutes in a row or trying to throw batting practice for two minutes in a row. Uh,
3: let me tell you, you know, it's really interesting. I was tired after each session, but then the second round, what we did is we went to uh, the, the bonus 30-second round. And um, let me tell you, there's a lot of pr- there's a lot of pressure on uh, on a pitcher during during the home run derby for sure. Uh, in fact, the guys were joking from MLB. They said that's the real talent behind the home run derby is whether you can get a pitcher that can be consistently in the in the zone. They said that uh, Pete Alonzo's pitcher, they did like a heat map of his pitches and quite literally there. Every single one is within like a six inch uh, window there. Incredible. Um, so there, that's the that's the hidden talent, for sure, behind the whole thing.
0: Sounds like it. Well, listen, I'm happy you got a chance to enjoy such a great experience. You're going to get a return visit next month, and uh, we appreciate you uh, kind of sharing what it was like for you firsthand here on the show today.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Steve. You guys always do a great job covering everything, and it, it was a blast. It was good, a blast.
0: Good stuff, Kurt. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Take care and uh, enjoy the weekend, all right?
3: Thanks
0: you too. Be safe. Bye bye. Kirk Rose, folks from Powerball Back Company, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Joe Rodriguez joining us next, right after Adrian in this Sports Center update. Mentioned it's going to be a busy one as far as guests go, and we go right back to our uh, hotline and say hello to Joe Rodriguez, our uh, soccer man, who uh, is going to talk a little bit uh, about what's going on with uh, Los Bravos of FC Juarez. Uh, what's going on, Joe? How are you? Hey,
4: what's going on? Happy Adrian, nice to be back, and uh, hopefully you guys are getting prepared for a great Memorial Day weekend ahead.
0: You as well, a lot of sports, and if you're a fan of Los Bravos, they now have a brand new person in charge in Hernan Cristante. And um by the way I was on his Twitter profile right and uh, his website is uh or his name um, com. unfortunately it looks like it has now been hacked into an asian porn site so be careful if you what? head over there yes I was I was on his Twitter handle and I saw his website so I went to click on it and I'm like up oh. Don't want to infect my entire computer, so uh, unfortunately, his website has been officially hacked. Hopefully, that's the only thing that's been hacked as far as uh, Cristante.
4: Oh man, I, I don't know what to say to that.
0: <laughs> Adrian, you just go check it out yourself? No, I'm not going to check. Afraid, this out. afraid to do it. Don't yeah, don't click the link from his Twitter handle. As all my <laughs> listeners are like crying now to find his Twitter <laughs> handle link. I'm sure. Uh, Tell me a little bit about uh, Hernan, and uh, is this the guy that you expected after uh, Tuco uh, Ferretti decided he was, uh, he was done?
4: Yeah, no, well, I mean, uh, as far as his, his, his professional history cap, Hernan Cristante, probably the, the most important, most legendary goalkeeper in the history of Club Toluca, one of the most important and you know recognizable goalkeepers, I think, in the history of, of all of Mexican soccer, even though, I mean, obviously he's, he's of Argentinian descent, He made quite a career himself, a career man with DeLuca, one of the most legendary players after he hung it up. uh, Immediately went into coaching. He's had a a stint with a couple of second division teams. um, And obviously uh, it's one of his first opportunities, if I I remember correctly, to uh, be the technical director, head coach for a first division team was obviously with DeLuca and most recently with Geretaro. Both times he's, he's... He's done things well with with both institutions, but, um, you know, his tenure over at Querétaro, which he is coming to the borderland from, uh, was very short-lived with, obviously, the the riot that happened with Querétaro and Náclás and and the the sanctions that came down on on Querétaro because of it. Um, He obviously put in his resignation because of, of, of all the turmoil that institution was going through. They released him from his contract. And obviously, FC Juárez looking for a coach. Uh, it was uh, logical for them to to turn their attention to him, have a couple of conversations. Obviously, the powers that be over at uh, FC Juárez uh, like what they heard, and uh, now Hernán Cristante is the head coach for FC Juárez.
0: So it's so interesting. Here's a guy that is a uh, goalkeeping giant in Toluca, but it sounds like what he doesn't really have right now is. Coaching experience at the top level, is that correct?
4: Well, I mean no, he he's he that's why they gave him that's why they asked him to to join oh He did things very, very well at, at DeLuca, you know, and I believe if I remember correctly, uh, you know, made him made him a playoff team, which DeLuca, that's kind of expected at bare minimum. But um with regards to what he's done, yeah, I mean he's been a head coach for a relatively short period of time too. But he's been given chances, obviously, in the first division. And uh, he's been given chances in the first division. uh, And he's done things things more than adequately. So, you know, coming into the borderland, I think uh, he'll be a good fit with an FC Juarez team that that needs to improve. That goes without saying. Um, And I think he's he's a person, Steven, that will give stability to FC Juarez who he won't, you know, he doesn't produce a whole lot of uh, of attention with regards to the media. And for a team of like FC Juarez that just kind of needs to keep a low profile and improve, I think Hernan Cristante will be a good fit for them.
0: Absolutely. Joe Rodriguez with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Why is it so difficult to win in Juarez at this level? Why have we seen so much struggle over the last uh, you know four or five seasons?
4: Um, oh, well, I mean, I, I could say – you know, COVID for the last two years put put them behind the eight ball as a new first division team. But then again, I think it also, you know, it, it, it altered the plans of of pretty much all the sports franchises in the world. So I can't I can't say that. But um, you know, I just I, I think with regards to to the powers that be over at FC Juarez, uh, you know, I think they just kind of they, they've made for for every interesting or or successful acquisition they've made they've made a couple of bad ones, um, you know, and it's just been one of those questions where it's bad luck, you know, and, and just kind of the little things, Steve, um, you know, they've made a couple of hires where, you know, you hear rumors and, and you hear hear things where, where the players aren't necessarily happy coming to the borderland or being in the borderland, um, and they just kind of trickles from there, and that's why, you know people say, "Oh, well, you need to hire better players. I personally think, no, you don't need to hire a big name because a big name is not interested in coming to the borderland when when they're coming from from other cities. I think you need to to hire blue collar workers that are that are diamonds in the rough that have something to prove that have a chip on their shoulder. And I think that's where you kind of have to start looking. And unfortunately, the Marco Fabians and all of those signings that have come to the borderland have, you know, they come and they collect a very, very nice paycheck, but they sure as hell don't earn it or they, you know, they bring nothing to the table for the money that they're making.
0: Joe Rodriguez with us as we continue here on Sports Talk. What about the roster? How does the, uh, you know, how does the personnel look compared to what we've seen?
4: Well, obviously, uh, Steve, the season, the new season for uh, for Mexican soccer, uh, the the championship series is uh, concludes on Sunday, and then it starts back up on July 1st because of the World Cup being held in Qatar and it being held from November 21st to December 18th, and and not in the summertime. Um, it's a quick turnaround. It's a quick start. July 1st, things get started. Hernan Cristante was named yesterday as the head coach. Obviously, they have players under contract right now. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think it's going to be rapid fire as far as uh, what players stay, what players get dismissed, what new acquisitions come on over the course of pretty much the next four weeks. It's um, important to remember that this uh, in the early part of this week on Tuesday, I believe FC Juarez and uh, Cristante, his new staff and all of the roster, they head to Playa del Carmen for their preseason workout. Um, not too shabby to place to to have your preseason training, and then I'm sure they'll spend some time in Central Mexico with some preseason games before getting started on on June on on July 1st.
0: Excellent. All right. Uh, Meanwhile, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, Las Vegas Lights tonight hosting El Paso Locomotive FC in a very big road matchup before next Saturday's uh, home return against the Hartford uh, Athletic uh, team that's going to be coming to town. Uh, You tell me. The Locomotive started to put it together. They've played better on the road as of late. Uh, How do you see tonight's matchup against the Lights?
4: Um, I think uh, on Tuesday when we had media availability, I think the theme with everyone that we spoke with uh, was that it's going to be a completely different game, Steve, than what we saw back in March where it was uh, a 5-4 to four final, nine goals scored in 45 minutes. I think uh, the locomotive have definitely uh, cleaned up uh, those defensive woes. Um, so expect a completely different match. Now, Las Vegas still has a very young team that likes to just kick the ball long and go in, and what I call play-fetch. You know, they just go after it. Because they're young, they have a lot of pace, a lot of endurance. Uh, but, uh, but I, I, you know, I agree with, with everybody and Coach Hutchinson. It's going to be a completely different match tonight. Um, look for it to be, obviously, in not that much of a high-scoring match. Um, but I think El Paso has what it takes to, Uh, to get the win out in Sin City, out in the Dinvada Desert.
0: All right. Good job, as always, Joe. Appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for giving us the lowdown on what's going on across the border.
4: All right. You guys have a happy Memorial Day weekend. We'll be in touch.
0: Be safe. Take care of yourself, Joe. Joe Rodriguez, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk. 43 past. Come back with more uh, as uh, a busy, busy Friday, which will include a pair of uh, new Utah basketball walk-ons. They'll join us in our 5 o'clock hour. Right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Nine in front of five as Sports Talk continues. 505-6009, our telephone number. John is uh, joining us next on the phone lines right now. Hey, John, how are you?
5: Hey, doing good, guys. A uh, couple of quick things here. First, sure. uh, NBA playoffs. Um, I'm going with the Celtics. Um, I, you know, nothing against Golden State, just... Want to see Derek White get a ring? Thank you, Boston, for that additional pick this year in the first round.
0: So, uh, yeah, you're a um, you're rooting for Derek White more than anything else.
5: Yeah, more than anything else. Okay. Yes, that and and I, I don't think Golden State's going to be able to stop Robert Williams.
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, Adrian, we've talked about this now. If Williams is healthy, he's going to be a handful for Golden State. But on the flip side, the Warriors have posed so many matchup problems for the Mavs. And granted, Boston's a, a much different makeup than than uh, Dallas. I don't know. Do you think Golden State's going to struggle with Williams like John says? You know, it's interesting.
1: It's a good point that he brings up because uh, the Mavericks, they threw out both Maxi Kleba and uh, Dwight Powell. Those guys didn't do anything the entire series, uh, and one of one of the reasons is because of Kayvon Looney and what he was able to do for the Warriors. So if you get uh, good production from Looney, which is asking a lot out of somebody who's, you know, a little bit, he, he's not as, as consistent as they want him to be. I, I don't really know how how good of a series Kayvon Looney will have. The biggest thing going for him is he has experience. So I don't know. It's a great matchup that John brings up as far as Robert Williams going up against the front court of the Warriors.
5: Yeah, well we'll have to see on that one. Um the next and last thing I wanted to hit on, I know it's kinda old news, but I've been busy all week. Wanted to hit on Saban. Okay. What he said last week. Ripping on um all of his assistant coaches, pretty much. Um, We all know Nick Saban's the GOAT. There's no doubt about it. But he needs to sit down and shut up on this one. Um, We've talked months ago and for the last weeks and weeks since this NIL thing came through, the pros and the cons. Um, I've said before, and I'm going to continue to say it, I'm for it. Especially when you really look at how the NCAA has screwed these athletes for so many decades and not giving them their just due considering all the revenue that they make off these kids.
0: Do you really think that Saban didn't know what he was doing? Don't you think he did? first no, off he, he did it. He did. I, he did it in front of a crowd of boosters. Number one, and he knew exactly what was going to happen the minute he opened up his mouth. It was a calculated he, remark. I got. I don't he, think Saban ever does anything that he's not expecting the, the ramifications from. True, I,
5: I will give you that, Steve. I will. He just doesn't care, he John. He
0: doesn't care.
5: <laughs> true, but at the same time. Why is he think it's Alabama? Why did he have to go there? They—they're the ones. I know Steve, it's Alabama. Like I said, I've—I I've said this about I don't know, maybe a month, a month and a half ago, um, right before it actually hit. Now remember, Steve, because we were talking about this, and I'll stand by this too, as long as this nil is a free-for-all Wild West show.
0: Yeah, true point. Good way to end the call, John. Appreciate you getting in, and uh, good thoughts on that, too. All right, we'll meet a pair of UTEP walk-ons for men's basketball. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues with Hour 2 right around the corner here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Hi, welcome back. Hour 2 here on Sports Talk. So we've met almost every new UTEP basketball player coming in this year. Who have we not spoken with? I feel like we've got almost everybody so far.
1: Uh, Derek Hamilton. Okay.
0: Uh, Jonathan Dos Anjos. Oh, we haven't had Dos Anjos. He was from last year, but we should still get him. Yeah, we've we,
1: we got some work to do still. But pretty much everybody else other than that.
0: We're diving into the uh, newest additions here in the 5 o'clock hour, Adrian.
1: I'm looking forward to this, Steve. Meeting a pair of uh, minor walk-ons who are joining the team this year.
0: First, you're going to meet uh, Milos, uh, Milo Merrick, uh, who will be joining the Miners. We just found this out uh, yesterday, actually, when he made it official on social media. Uh, Milos, welcome to Sports Talk. How you doing?
6: I'm doing great. Thank you for
0: having me on. So tell me, how does a guy who is a native of Wheeling, West Virginia, get named Milos? That one I got to know.
6: Uh, so my father is of Serbian descent, so... His dad, when they came over here, his name was Milos, so he named me after his father.
0: Fantastic. And by the way, is it pronounced Milos or Milos? Milos. That's what I thought. All right. Um, it reminds me of, again, you ever see the Seinfeld episode uh, with, Je- with uh, Jerry playing tennis against Milos?
6: I haven't. I've never seen
0: that show. <laughs> All right, you need to. You need to go when you finish the show with us. You can Google it and uh, go, uh, or hit YouTube and go. Uh, go Google uh, Seinfeld Milos, and you'll you'll see exactly what we're talking about. Okay, but but I hear they go ahead.
6: My fault. My fault. My fault. I'll have to go watch that.
0: Definitely. Now, do they call you Milo? what's your What's your nickname? Um, people
6: call
0: me Milo, but Milo. Okay. My my yeah. I got you. All right, so we'll call it. Listen, we'll call you whatever we want to call you. How about this? We call you a minor because that's what you are right now. You're a member of the UTEP basketball team. Congratulations.
6: That sounds great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Tell me a little bit about how the recruiting went for you, and and really how you ended up at UTEP, Milo. Uh,
6: so my all of my recruiting was actually it was very weird because a lot of it got messed up by COVID. So. Uh, I was a junior, and in my junior summer, I started getting some interest from some low and mid-majors, and then uh, I went through my senior year, and we our season ended early, and at this time, I was getting a lot of looks from, like, the Horizon League, uh, around that level, the Big South, the Southern Conference, and then all oh, COVID happened, so... We didn't get to play at all. None of the coaches got to see me. And then I ended up having a, a back injury. Uh, I herniated my L4, L5, and L5 has one disc in my back. And I ended up having to sit out because of that. And so the following year, I was going to uh, – actually going to be a scholarship player at a Division One school. I prefer not to say where. just cause Sure. They didn't end up taking me. Uh, due to me hurting my back and me having to sit out for that time. Uh, so then this year, in January, I, I ended up doing a post-grad year at Florida Sports Academy. Uh, I had a great semester. Um, and then I I just, I felt I, I felt at home when, when I went talking to Coach Spriggs and Coach Golding, and they just made it seem like a place that I'd really want to be. I like how they play. I just feel that it was the best fit Or where I wanted to be and what I want to do.
0: Uh, I'll tell you this, Milo. That's a crazy story. And I'm sure you're not the only one that has been dealing with trying to get recruited, interrupted by COVID. Then you get hurt and it changes the trajectory for everything. Back injuries are serious. Did it happen playing basketball? Did it happen training? Was it a freak injury? What happened?
6: Uh, it, I, I felt it the first time after weightlifting one day. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that's when it happened. And I just, ever since then, I almost, I had, I really just played off one leg the last two years, just, just even trying to be on the court. Uh, my left leg, I lost all the strength in my leg and basically everything I did, I had to jump off my right leg and just
0: use one leg. That's unbelievable. Now, as you've um, strengthened yourself, because I'm sure you had a, a rehab program to get your back straight, um, were you able at the same time to also start to uh, to strengthen that left leg again?
6: Um, so I actually, they had just recommended that I sit out before, and about 10 days ago, I just had surgery in Dallas with Dr. Dossett, uh, and everything went great and I should be able to do non-contact drills in about five weeks now, and then I should be cleared for full contact in 12 weeks. Excellent. I'm sorry, not 12 weeks. Not 12 weeks. uh, The beginning of September or the end of August, I'll be cleared for full contact.
0: Good for you. All right, so that means that by the time school starts at UTEP, you'll be able to uh, start going into uh, more of, of what you're used to, especially the contact drills. And I'm sure the toughest thing for you is you said you just had surgery. You Looking back, yes, you could have done this a while ago, but um, you probably felt if you could rest and, and, and take care of things, then you would be able to get uh, your strength back. And, you know, sometimes you give it a go, you, you see how it is, but ultimately you realize, you know what, I got to get this surgery done so I can get back to being my old self again.
6: Exactly. Uh, that's that's really w- what my plan was. I didn't, n- nobody really ever wants to have surgery. So I wanted to see if I could go the non-surgical route and it just, it didn't work as well. I got a couple epidural shots for my back and I really just didn't help. But ever since the surgery, I mean, I feel great now.
0: That's good to hear, Milo. Milo Merrick with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. He is now uh, going to be joining the Miners uh, for this upcoming season a- as a walk-on. Right now, um, you know, you look at El Paso, you look at the opportunity given to you, and I'm sure you are uh, I'm looking at this as um, you got to you know, prove to not just everybody, you tap it to yourself that a you're back, you're healthy, you belong. And like a lot of players, come in as a walk-on with a chance to to earn a scholarship if you can impress everybody here at the coaching staff as well as teammates and fans.
6: Yes, sir. I just I, I just want to be the best player I can. That's my goal. I mean, there there's but I I don't need to compare myself to anybody. If 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 I do the best I can, I'm happy with that.
1: What's the competition level like when you're going up against teams when you're at Florida Sports Academy? I'm so interested by this because saw some of your highlights. I was pretty impressed by what you're able to do on the court. What's the competition like?
6: Um, so we played a lot of great teams. Uh, so we played uh, IMG's postgrad team, Mountain Bird. Uh, we we played all over the state of Florida. Um, we actually we played a couple of JUCOs. Uh, I actually. Last year I played against uh, Jonathan, who's coming in here, uh, and that, that wasn't a good game. But <laughs> um, we, we, we played a lot of really high-level competition, and I, th- this is the best place, in my opinion, that you can play for postgrad is in Florida.
0: Tell me about uh, Dos Anjos, because we don't know a lot about him other than that. He was a pretty highly regarded junior college player. Since you played against him in in Florida, how would you describe his game to all UTEP fans?
6: Um, He's a great athlete. He runs the floor extremely well. He can defend multiple positions. Um, And offensively, he's going to play above the rim. He's he's someone you really want on your team. He's a winner. Uh I actually I I watched him play in high school when he was at Victory Rock Prep cuz I had played in school in Florida also and I had the the I was able to see him play there and he same kind of guy he's he's going to do whatever it takes which is useful I mean everybody needs somebody like that.
0: You know it's funny uh I feel like UTEP's entire roster is filled with that exact type of player. You know whether it's Low post guards doesn't matter. Guys that are going to do whatever it takes. That seems to be the common theme for a lot of the different players we've either spoken to, or in your case, you know, talking about uh, with uh, with uh, Dos Anjos and 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 yourself.
6: Yes, sir. I mean, I, it's it, that's what Coach Golding's looking for. He, he wants guys that are going to win. He wants guys that are going to compete, play defense, and. Just be a team player. I mean, it's it's a great program. I'm so excited to be there.
0: Milo, you're also a little older than a lot of incoming freshmen because of what happened over the last couple of years with COVID and the injury. How much do you think that plays into your hand and is an advantage for you because you're not an eighteen year old freshman coming to UTEP?
6: Um I just I feel like I'm I know a little more. I'm a little more Used to how a college day would look, being that I've been in post grad, uh, and being that I've been at sports academies and places. My junior year, we were number two in the country for high school. I, I've I've been around this before. I'm not. This isn't really new to me, and I just I can't wait to be a part of it all.
0: I think the advantage for you also is because you've played against high level competition dating back to your high school days till now. Um, sometimes you always wonder about the transition going into division one. Um and maybe for you the learning curve won't be as high, uh or won't be as great just because uh, you've had the opportunity to play against really high level talent over the years.
6: Yes, sir. I've I've over my high school career I played with about thirty division one players, so I'd like to say that I'm used to this, and I, I know how to play my role. I just – I, I want to win at the end of the day. That's all I want to do.
0: Now, here's the scouting report I, I've I've read up on you. This is for a couple of years old, so I'm sure it's changed. So here's what I hear. Okay, first off, they say you're a 6'3 combo guard that can do a little bit of everything. Is Are you still 6'3, or have you grown since COVID?
6: Uh, I've actually grown, so I'm about uh, just a shade under 6'4 right now, so –
0: Okay, so you're close to 6'4", and that you could play the 1 and the 2, but you're best used as a primary ball handler slash distributor. Is that accurate?
6: Yeah, I I prefer to play with the ball. I can can do either, but I just feel feel that my strengths as a player are are just uh, having a really high basketball IQ. I see the floor really well, and I can score, but I just – I don't know. I just I just prefer to to play with the ball. I don't
0: That's fair. I there's nothing wrong with playing with the basketball. Um also, you've got a good mid-range game. Uh you make shots off the catch or off the dribble, good finisher, and then you've got a floater to your advantage to finish over bigger, more athletic defenders. Um is that pretty accurate?
6: Yeah, I've got a I've got a pretty good floater. You you guys will see
0: all right. Now I also hear according to this same scouting report it says you're a streaky three-point shooter. Is that uh what what's what's going on there? Um
6: well that's that's one of the main things that I've worked on ever since I have when I was back to plan was I shot the three extremely well this year. I shot about 40% from three. Excellent. Um just just working on it cuz I was I was more used to just being able to pull up and get into floaters in high school. And when I was down here, they, they just, I, I, it's a bigger floor and it's a, it's a deeper three point line. People sometimes won't guard you, and just being able to hit that is really important.
0: I also love the defensive scouting report that because of your length um, and your versatility, you're someone that can guard uh, from really the one to the three at the collegiate level.
6: Yes, sir. That's accurate. I have about a 6'8 wingspan, and right now uh, I'm just under 6'4", so I'm pretty long. Uh, I want to play defense. I I, I like the guard. I love to play defense.
0: Well, you know that that's Joe Golding's calling card. You play defense, you play hard, and uh, you, you give him everything you got. Good things happen. That seems to be the formula around here at UTEP. He won 20 last year with a team that uh, had not been able to come close to that to the previous season. So, uh, yes, that is going to be good. What do you know about UTEP so far, Milo?
6: Uh, well, I'm a basketball junkie, so actually I've I've known about UTEP for a while, but I did a little bit more research. Uh, I saw where they had won the 1966 National Championship. Um, I had known that Tim Hardaway played there because of the UTEP two-step. Uh I know that Tiny Archibald had played there. Uh, so I, I know a little bit, but I know you guys are going to teach me a lot more when I get down there.
0: That's a good start. Uh, that's a really good uh, – there's nothing wrong with that. Good starting point. Um, UTEP in 1992 knocked off Kansas and got to the Sweet 16 when Kansas was a one seed. That's a, That's a little piece of history you'll get to know when you're here.
6: We're going to do that again once I get there.
0: I'm excited. Talisha Bennett tweets the program welcome home Milo so there you go you've already got fans welcoming you to El Paso I'm excited about that and it sounds to me that uh, as soon as you get cleared uh, at the end of August and September for full contact all systems go a lot of minor fans are going to be excited about what they can see from you
6: yes sir I can't wait
0: Milo what number do you like to wear
6: uh, I really want a different number almost everywhere, but uh, thirteen is my favorite.
0: Ah, good. The th- third player that's told us number thirteen sounds like the tradition of wearing <laughs> different numbers will continue for you while you're here at UTEP. I like that.
6: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's fine. All right, well You'll see, you'll see me in something nice.
0: There you go. And and who knows? Listen, if you if you stick around here long enough, which you probably will, you might end up with that 13 after all. So look at it that way. So, all right. Milo, it's great to have you on the show. Enjoyed the conversation. We'll look forward to meeting you when you come into El Paso. And uh, best of luck as you as you recover from that surgery.
6: Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: You got it. He's Milos Milo Merrick as he joins us here on Sports Talk. Great job, great, great job. Eighteen passed. More in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie Wan and get this traffic update. Welcome back, everybody. As we continue here on Sports Talk, uh, that was a, a a terrific segment. And by the way, it's just going to get better and better and better because now. We're going to have an opportunity to stay a little closer to home with our next uh, guests and also this is something important Adrian when you start to look at ultimately you know UTEP's future and uh, it's going to continue with uh, a couple of uh, you know a couple of kids that will come in as preferred walk-ons, but an opportunity to do so much more.
1: Yes, and the fact that you're able to establish a local pipeline like the Miners are doing right now. I mean, Steve, we have UTEP has not seen a local player uh, wear a UTEP uniform since Isaiah Reigns. Uh, you know, and that's been almost four, or five years ago. So uh, it's been long overdue, and I'm so happy that they're tapping back into the local potential and the the, the local stars here in El Paso.
0: Well, let's welcome in Antoine Holmes and Coach Rodney Lewis from Chapin as they both join us together on the program here via the 600 ES Piano Paso Hotline. Uh, gentlemen, welcome aboard. Good to have you back on the show, Coach. And Antoine, welcome to Sports Talk. How are ya? How you? How are you
7: doing, doing Steve? How are you doing, Adrian? Uh,
0: we're good. We're good. We're better, Coach. We're better now, especially since we know that uh, Antoine's staying home and going to be uh, having an opportunity to play for his friends, family, and all of El Paso with uh, the UTep Miners. That's uh, about as good uh, a story as we've heard in a while.
7: Yeah, that, that um, when I got the call that they were interested, it it kind of brought a real big smile on my face because I know how much Antoine wanted this. I know how much he worked hard for this opportunity. Um, I think uh, the, the people in El Paso are going to be uh, really surprised to see how he blossoms other Coach Golden and the, the UTEP uh, minor basketball team.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Antoine, uh, for you, the chance to stay, play for Coach Golden, play at UTEP. Let's talk about that. Uh, is this something that's kind of happened uh, as of late, or is this something that had been, uh, you know, at least uh, in play for a while for you? Um,
8: it happens kind of. It happened kind of late. So um, Coach Golden had uh, reached out to my coach towards the end of the this basketball season, and um, you know he was just telling, talking to him about uh, how interested he was in having me go. So uh, I did. I met with the coach pretty recently, and uh, we chopped it up, and it became um, became a, an opportunity for me.
0: As you've grown up, uh, you know around the area, were you already going to UTEP games and pretty familiar with the minor basketball tradition?
8: Yes, sir. I was. I was going to UTEP games since I was in uh, elementary school.
0: Oh, nice. All right. Coach, that's something else I love. You know, when you can get somebody here in El Paso that's grown up around the program and around the city of El Paso and, and keep him here, uh, it really speaks volumes. And, uh, again, also goes to show the importance of finding a way to keep some of the best players in the city of El Paso here at UTEP. Yeah, that's
7: huge. That's huge. I- um, what people don't understand is that El Paso has untapped talent. Like, we have guys that are that are super talented and that can play at the next level. Um, just like Antoine, some of these guys just need opportunity. I mean, you know, when you're recruiting D1 athletes, you know, you go down the checklist. But some of these guys may miss one or two spots, and so D1 coaches kind of slip off of them. But um, Antoine checks the list, he, he, you know, after Coach Golden and, and his staff went over the list and kept going over, like this is an investment that he's going to get a great return from.
0: Antoine, do you feel almost like as so many people in this city have been talking about KJ for the last few years now and Chapin has been so successful, a lot of that attention now is starting to really open some more doors for you and maybe other members of your team that I wouldn't say wouldn't get the same look without him, but it obviously helps knowing that uh, there are so many eyes on that Huskies basketball program.
8: Yes, sir. Um, yes, yeah, I, I feel like it will help um, teams like my, my uh, past teammates, the teammates that are going to go there now. It, it obviously brings attention to them, and it opens up more doors for them too as well. Um, KJ being here did uh, help me. Uh, just get some, you know eyes on me and uh, looks at the Chapin program and I just had to go out there like do what I do and um, you know got this opportunity.
1: Antoine, uh, you averaged nearly 14 points, four rebounds, three assists, but I'm sure one of the things that head coach Joe Golding was really excited about was the fact that you averaged nearly three steals a game. What defensive uh, abilities can you bring to the table when you join the Miners next year?
8: Um, I would say, um, just, I just bring energy. I bring a lot of energy. I hype up my guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with them hundred percent. And, um, when, when the time comes down to lock in on defense, I will.
0: All right. Now, I always ask the players to give me a scouting report of their game, mostly because their coaches are never on the interview uh, with us. We always get just the players by themselves. Coach Lewis, this is a benefit for us because since we have you on the line along with Antoine, if you could uh, give me your scouting report of uh, one of your star players the last few years and, and what he's like on both sides of the ball.
7: Um, um, the key word he was talking about is when Antoine is locked in. So we're going to talk about if Antoine is locked in. If Antoine is locked in, you're going to get a guy that can score at all three levels. Um, he's efficient with the three ball. His attack game is, is crazy. Um, he's uh, super athletic. Um, you really don't see it because of his size. Um, his mid-range game is probably the best in town. Um, he's very skillful. Um, defensively, if he's locked in, he's he's one of the best in the state. Um, to me, I've always said for the last couple of years that I had the best backcourt in the state um, with him and KJ, especially defensively. Um, he, he's just a, a all-around player, and he still have room to grow. There's, there's still some parts of his game that's going to flourish. Um, but uh, as of right now, I think he can contribute. As of right now, um, Antoine knows that he needs to get stronger um, for this level, but the, the game wise, he's ready to get on the floor at the Don Haskins, no question.
0: More with uh, Antoine Holmes and uh, Coach Rodney Lewis from Chapin as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, bottom of the hour, which means a chance for us to go right back to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We've got Coach Rodney Lewis with us along with uh, Antoine Holmes uh, from uh, Chapin Huskies, and now Antoine on his way to UTEP as that story broke earlier in the week. Now, I heard something really interesting from Coach Antoine, and he said, um, man, when uh, if Antoine is locked in, and I heard the word if, so I started thinking to myself, how often is this guy locked in? So, Antoine, you tell me, when you're on the floor, do you feel like you're locked in most of the time?
8: Yes, sir. Every game, I every every game, every uh, possession, I, I I am locked in. Um, it's just the passion I have for the game, trying to win and um, and uh, bring energy to
0: the to the team, and you know, run up that score. Coach, it doesn't sound like it's too hard to motivate this young man.
7: No, not at all. Um, when we 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 had a plan to uh, change the program when I when I got the job four years ago, Antoine along with Manny Flores, are my first freshmen. Um, and we just wanted to uh, take take our program to different heights. Um, and, and Antoine is a, is a huge, huge piece of what we're doing at Chapin High School.
1: Coach, you just mentioned Manny Flores, and I want to turn it over to you, Antoine, because we're talking about KJ, we're talking about Manny, and now you. All three of you guys get a chance to play uh, collegiately from Chapin High School. Does that mean a little bit more to you all, just knowing what kind of runs that you, have had in the past two seasons out in the Texas State playoffs? Yes, um, it, it just
8: shows, you know, how great the the Chapin program is. The coaching staff from from freshman level to varsity, from head coach to to um, you know a, a trainer that doesn't that's not even part of the program. It's it just shows like what they're willing to do to um, to better your game and get you to the next level. And uh, thank God I had the opportunity to play with them, or else I wouldn't have this opportunity now.
0: Antoine, if you had to look at parts of your game that you feel still need uh, need some work as you're transitioning to the D1 level, what would it be?
8: Um, well, first and first and foremost, it is for sure my strength. I need to get stronger in order to 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 play at that level. Um, I would say um more ball handling and uh, just making smarter plays. You know, getting my mind right.
0: Coach, would you echo those sentiments?
7: Yes. Yes, that's that's the strength part is the what I think is the only thing lacking and, and yes, he's right. He's he probably gonna be at the at the point guard position. And yeah, he he's always constantly need to tighten up, tighten up his handles to to take that kind of uh, D one um athlete in the space, um, you know, for the whole game. Yes, I would agree. When you
0: look at high school basketball and El Paso in general coach, do you find that um, you know the strength aspect, especially as players start to grow and they get bigger and stronger um, in your mind uh, is weights and conditioning as much a focal point here as it does as it is in other places?
7: Um, it's starting to be it's starting to be I know um, if you look at Americas coach Brooks and his staff and his players, they look different, which is, you know, one of the reasons they're very successful because their strength is their bodies are very good. And what I have done in the last couple of years for my program is I put people around. Um, I got a, a, a trainer that trains our guy in, in, in Jermaine Jefferson. I have a strength and condition coach in Paris Wall. And then we have a stretch guy And one of my ex-players, Chris Bryant, who's also uh, a master degree recipient from Utah. And, and you don't understand how those teams help, especially when you plan 38 to 40 games and trying to make a run to a state championship. Um, last year, Antoine Jr., when we failed against Summit, um, we, we gave up a 21-point lead. And the main thing was um, Antoine and KJ were, were banged up going into the playoffs. But main thing was our strength and our conditioning was not at that level. To keep up with the summit. And then this year, the same thing, we, we, we got stronger, but th- those guys out there are way bigger and, and way stronger than us. So we have to, c- to continue here to put our athletes in position. Um, so we can um, all any team that's really good enough to make a run. You're going to have to have a strength and conditioning program.
1: Antoine, you mentioned that you watched UTEP basketball games in elementary, all the way back in elementary school. Uh, what are some of the memories you have as a, just a minor fan when you used to go to the basketball games at the Don Haskins Center?
8: Um, it's just, you know, I, back then I wasn't really looking. You know, I would I didn't really take basketball seriously, so I wasn't really looking for you know like key moments. You know, so back then I just enjoyed watching the game. I enjoyed just watching the players dunk and. Making threes and the energy there—it was just—it was just live.
0: When would you say you started taking things seriously and saw your game, you know, start to grow?
8: Uh, I would say freshman year when uh, Coach Lewis came in and he—he uh, he got the job. Um, he was just letting me know like what potential I have and what, um, like, how far I can take my game and what what level I can play at college. And and he just helped me. He just guided me through the whole process through my whole
0: uh, high school career, and uh, now I'm here. Coach, it sounds to me as we wind things down that uh, Antoine's got a chance to be a real fan favorite for the Miners.
7: Oh, they're going to love him. If you if you haven't had the chance to see Antoine play in the last couple years in a Husky uniform, my suggestion is make sure you get your minor tickets um, because he's going to bring pride. And he's going to make El Paso proud to be a, a NATO son out there competing at a high level for Coach Golden in a, in a minor basketball team.
1: Coach, I also would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Uh, Eugene Costello was named the head coach at Andrews High School. That uh, that coaching vacancy was left because of the late Jim Forbes, the legend who passed away earlier this year. Uh, just your thoughts on the, on Eugene being named the head coach over there at Andrus.
7: Uh, first of all, rest in peace, Coach Forbes. You are dearly missed. Um, I love you. Um, it's not a day that goes by that um, I don't think about you. Um, um, Eugene Costello earned that job. He deserves it. Um, he's been there way back when I got there. We've accomplished some major things that people don't talk about much anymore because a lot, a lot of other teams have, have reached that pinnacle, like the Burgess run with the Newton brothers and Deion, um, and then the runs we've had and then the run America's had. But the, but the Andrews run need to be talked out a little bit more. We, we went to four straight Sweet Sixteens. Um, coach Forge gave Coach Costello, Coach Weaver, and myself the tools that we needed to be head coaches. And uh, Gene is going to be a phenomenal coach. He's going to be a phenomenal coach. He, he prepares better than um, most people that I know. Um, the two games are going to be exciting every year. Um, And I'm looking forward to it. He's just going to bring out the best in myself, my coaching staff, and and our players. Um, Northeast basketball is back.
0: I'll tell you something else, Coach. Uh, I remember uh, Gene very, very well because when he was at UTEP, he was Genie, and he played for Jason Rabideau. He spent two seasons with the Miners. He averaged, I think, about 14.5 and 13 points per game. He was a scoring point guard. He was a very good basketball player. And when you think about what he's done transitioning, uh, living in El Paso and transitioning into high school coaching, uh, it, it's phenomenal because you, you were getting choked up talking about Coach Forbes. Well, Coach Forbes also, same thing, played for the Bear and then had the opportunity to go into coaching. Well, Gene didn't play for Haskins, but played for the Miners. And now here he is following in the footsteps of, uh, of so many other ex-UTEP players and, and having his chance
7: now. So I'm, I'm pretty
0: excited about that.
7: Yes, it just made El Paso basketball better. Um, Andrews had no choice but to uh, give him the job. That's exactly what Coach Ford would have wanted, um, and it's well deserved. Like he, he gets, he gets those guys to play so hard. He's keeping the tradition alive over there. Um, he's the one. He's the right guy for the job. No question. No question asked.
0: Coach Lewis, Antoine, appreciate you both being here. Thank you for the time. Can't wait to see you come to the minors. And, uh, Coach, we'll be looking forward to seeing what you've got in store for us for the Chapin Huskies when basketball season rolls around here later in the year. Yes, sir. Thank you again. All right, that's Coach Rodney Lewis and uh, Antoine Holmes, uh, one of the newest miners, uh, joining us here. 19 in front of six. Come back and wrap up our two still to come. BT is going to talk racing, story time with hags, all that in our final 30 minutes here on 600 ESPN El Paso. 49 past the hour. Some odds and ends to wrap up our number two and get you ready for BT. By the way, for those of you that don't know who BT is, let me tell you. BT is one of my favorite all-time comedians. I love him. He'll be uh, in El Paso in a couple of weeks out at uh, the Comic Strip over there on Airway. He is a huge fan of auto racing and motocross. Like, he is seriously into it. So, BT is going to give us his the lowdown on the... Uh, big uh, Formula One race uh, this weekend in Monaco, and also the Indianapolis 500 coming up at 6 o'clock. Adrian, going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, a lot going on in the racing world, Steve, this weekend, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that we got a chance to, to talk with BT before he comes to town, so hopefully when he's in town he could also stop in the studios and join us.
0: Uh, that would be awesome, so I would hope that happens, because BT, one of the funniest people you'll ever meet, but a great, great sports fan, so we'll do something we don't do very often, auto racing with BT, top of our 6 o'clock hour, and then story time with Hags, get you ready for the Chihuahuas game here tonight in a big weekend series with El Paso and uh, Sugar. As we continue on the program. All right, um, let's talk about some interesting things. How about the fact that right now the rumor is Nikola Jokic's going to sign a $260 million deal? uh with the Denver Nuggets. That's uh on the verge of happening.
1: Yeah, that's a I wasn't too surprised out of this news right here, Steve. I just look back to last offseason. They gave a max extension to uh, my, uh to MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., who didn't play this past year due to an injury. Uh you know, there's a lot of injury um I guess reservations you might have if you're Denver about him. And if you're Denver right now, you can't afford any more injuries than you currently have. You you know, Jamal Murray coming back next year, same with MPJ. If you have Nick Nikola Jokic obviously locked in with you at that Supermax deal. I think that just tells you that he's your he's your franchise player. You just have to build around him with some quality pieces. But
0: you can't let a two-time MVP go. You just can't do that if you're the Denver Nuggets.
1: No, that's your franchise guy. That's the face of the franchise, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm happy for him getting the Supermax. I know uh, also Devin Booker will be eligible for yep. the Supermax this offseason. So, yeah, big names who could uh, potentially make some big money out of the NBA.
0: How about uh, the Dallas Mavericks saying re-signing Jalen Brunson is their number one offseason priority? Yeah,
1: very interesting right there because I thought that he played his way into a tough tough market for the uh, uh, the Mavericks to try to re-sign him. His contract the next deal he ends up getting is going to be very lucrative in his favor and that's because the Villanova standout and graduate, he's shined for the Mavericks this year in this new role that he's been playing. That point guard role and last year he was really just coming off the bench. This is the first year that we've seen him uh, play those extended minutes as the, their uh, lone starter in their backcourt I don't know if he's the guy to maybe you know push them over the edge but I do think that he's a quality player and if things don't work out he's a, he's a tradable guy I think another team would really like him as well
0: well first off uh, um, if you're Dallas and that's another thing we, we had a question earlier from one of our uh, regulars and uh, that is Memphis drew about what the Grizzlies should do in the offseason if you're the Mavs I get it. You want to re sign Brunson, but how do you build enough of a supporting cast? Now, you're going to get Hardaway back. I, I, I don't believe his contract's expiring. I think he signed a, a nice extension with Dallas, so he'll come back and be healthy. You could potentially bring back Brunson. How do you do it? How do you build around Luka?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question. I think the biggest name out there in the market will be Bradley Beal, although I would be surprised if he leaves uh, Washington this offseason and doesn't re-sign with them. Uh, I think that, you, you know, you look at targets that they could look at, Jeremy Grant at of the Detroit Pistons, he can provide some front court experience for them because Dwight Powell and Kleba were non-factors in this uh, playoff loss and series loss to Golden State. Uh, if you look at Rudy Gobert, I think that might be kind of a stretch right there for Dallas, although. I I wouldn't be surprised to see some rumors there I think the the best option for Dallas to to kind of look at is the Indiana Pacers try to package and grab both Buddy Heald who's an upgrade from Reggie Bullock and Miles Turner who's also an upgrade from Dwight Powell if you get those two guys right there you're a lot better than you were right now
0: I like Buddy Heald I always like Buddy Heald I think he's one of the better value players you're going to find in the NBA
1: yeah and he's uh, he has a lot of consistency when it comes to his three-point shooting he can stretch the floor and he's sizable so so I think those are the I think the wish list items for the Dallas Mavericks. Let's see how much they're willing to spend and how much salary cap they, they expect to have.
0: One other interesting story. Uh, sources say that uh, Colin Kaepernick's workout with the Raiders was positive, but no deal is imminent. So it'll be interesting to see if the Raiders come back and, and give uh, and give Kaepernick a chance.
1: It, it kind of tells me, Steve, that they're going to have to cut one of those guys, Jarrett Stidham, who they mm-hmm. traded for from the Patriots, or Nick Mullins, who they recently acquired. So they're going to have to cut one of them in order to sign Colin Kaepernick.
0: Two hours in the books. we got 30 to go. But before we get to story time with Hags, we'll talk a little auto racing with our good friend BT. He's next as Sports Talk continues. Third and final hour as we get going here on Sports Talk. We'll get you ready for the Chihuahuas coming up in just uh, about 30 minutes from now, plus story time with Hags as well. You know this man because you've seen him over the years as he has toured El Paso, and as a matter of fact, he'll be back in a couple of weeks at the comic strip, and he's also our resident racing expert. Very excited about the one, the only, BT, who joins us here on Sports Talk, Welcome back, my friend. Great to see you via Zoom, and we appreciate you joining us on the show today. I appreciate you hitting me
9: up while I was working out. Usually, I don't take those kind of texts, but when I saw it was you, I immediately said, hey, I got to talk to this guy. I was in the middle of bench pressing, and I said, hey, got to talk to the man.
0: What does a typical BT workout consist of?
9: Well, I start off, I get up, I get up, I make a smoothie, and then I do yoga, and then I do five minutes of abs, and then I go to the gym, or... Or if it's good weather, I cycle. I love cycling, man. I, I cycle about, I try to get at least at least 25 miles in. And um, I've gone as far as 70 miles. But yeah, I like to in, in between 20 and 70 miles. I love cycling. So if, if the weather's good, I cycle. But the weather's uh, crappy like it is now. I go to the gym and get it in. So uh, yeah, I went to the gym. So.
0: What does the BT smoothie consist of?
9: Well, see today it's always frozen, pretty much. But it's uh, bananas, pineapples, strawberries, and today I had uh, dragon fruit and uh, and definitely ginger because ginger cuts down on the gas, so which is good. So ginger uh, kind of uh, smooths the stomach out and, and eliminates the gas, so which I, is good.
0: I like that. You just give people a little secret with their smoothies if you want to uh, not worry about being so gassy. Just throw some uh, you'll know, throw some ginger in there, right? <laughs> oh, some ginger is. Key, I'm telling you, if you can take uh, uh it's really
9: strong, but what you do is you put a little agave juice in it and it kind of evens it out. I watch a lot of food network also. So put a lot of agave in it and I I could beat Bobby Play, I guarantee you like, I can. But yeah, that's what you do. And let me tell you something, ginger is the greatest thing you can take, helps on the stomach and the gas and everything. So yeah, I I, I think I want to open a smoothie place when I uh, when it's all said and done with.
0: You should. That'd be great. And then, Nelly, could you open the smoothie place up? But uh, you can make people laugh while they're getting ready to order the smoothie. It'd be the, it'd be the perfect thing for you. Maybe a little stand up while they're waiting. How about that? I love that. I think you'd be the you'd be the first uh, stand up smoothie shop uh, in the country. That'd be the way to go.
9: Stand up smoothie. Oh. There you go, buddy. You
0: know, there you've, already, you go. you've already got the name, so you're you're set. Um, All right, uh, busy weekend, right? We got the uh, Formula One Monaco Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500 happening. So uh, let's talk about that. And and before we get to the Indy, because that's in your backyard, and, and uh, I know that's a, a race you've attended over the years, how has F1 become so popular as of late? The reason F1
9: become popular is because of late, it's called Netflix's drive to survive. That did for F one what man I tell you I'm honest what Thelma and Louise did for women who were unhappy in their hair in their marriages. I mean it really did man. It really elevated the game. everyone's been around forever, and it wasn't like it wasn't there. But people were they were into it, but they weren't into it. But Netflix had it. They had the quick edits and they had the slow motion and they you know they can they can um, dramatize it. And make it look like whoa and so now they look like rock stars man they were the only one on uh you know it came at the perfect time during the pandemic it was well done it was made with drama and the way they set it up was just beautiful so you had nothing to do but watch this and it kept me on the edge of your seat you understand i watched these races and i was going oh man what happened here i mean seriously so it made and think the guys are young they're, they're good looking they're millionaires and that plays into it. man think about it. if you're a woman, women are no offense, women are really not racing. And so but they see these guys good looking and they're racing cars and you know, hey, money talks. And so they're like, who are these guys? And they they are the new rock stars, man. I mean stereotypically, you always look at NASCAR stereotypically as like the you know, good old boys, Southern guys, you know, whatever. And it, 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 it's evolved, it's changed, but that's the stereotype that goes on with it. But F1, they're flying in, they got helicopters, they're good looking, they're flashy, they're driving you know, Ferraris, they're driving McLarens. And so it makes you go, what is this about? And that, it's got that wow factor to it.
0: So F1, in your opinion, is probably the future of auto racing in terms of just the worldwide scope. Well, it's already big worldwide, no. but here in the U S it's yeah. really the future of auto racing, right? I, I really think so. I think in America, because they just had the the, uh, the race in Miami
9: and on the grid. And it's one of the few things that racing has over all the other sports is before it's, it gets down to the, you know, to the time you could you have celebrities walking on the grid talking to the drivers you don't have that in the super bowl you don't have that in basketball no other sport has it where right before it starts you have people on the grid it's like a party on the grid i mean you have movie stars you got other stars from other sports they're talking to the guys who are going to risk their lives and in about five minutes they're just shooting the crap with them and then it's like then that sound goes like and it's like you gotta go and everybody clears out and this time to get down to business and that's where racing period has over every other sport. You can walk on the grid if you got the right money and have the right connection. You can walk on the grid and touch these million dollar cars. And I mean, it, that, that's what it has over every sport, man. Yeah. So yeah, it's got the WoW Factor, it's got the stars, and, and they're in glamorous place, in Miami. They're gonna be in Las Vegas next year. It's gonna be a night race in Las Vegas. Dude, I'm telling you, F1 is the future of racing in America.
0: Now, you've been to motocross events in Europe. You've traveled for those. There you go, MotoGP. I see that right now. So you are the MotoGP spokesman. We're talking to a comedian, BT, who will be in El Paso in a couple of weeks, giving us our racing intake here on Sports Talk. Have you ever been to an F1 race in person?
9: No, man. Put it this way. F1 does kind of like, they're like the gated community of racing, meaning like, uh, oh, poor people. I mean, it's like, I mean, seriously, I met an F1 girl. And at at a MotoGP event, and I was just joking. I go, hey, can you give me the hookup? Just joking, right? And she literally went like, she stopped talking to me and walked away. I was like, hey, I was just joking. I mean, F1 has an attitude. They really do. They're nice, but they, I mean, they're worldwide. It's like soccer and F1 is worldwide where the United States are just getting it. But that's a tough ticket. So I don't have it yet, but I'm working on it.
0: All right. Uh, I'm hearing that one of the big stories is that uh, Mercedes is doing really, really well in the F1 and uh, Ferrari is trying to bounce back. It's so interesting. You know, you would think this is all about the drivers, but actually it's about the make of the car more than the drivers sometimes because that's the story. Mercedes was big in Spain. Can Ferrari bounce back in Monaco? It's, It's interesting to see how in Formula One racing, that's the storyline as opposed to the drivers that normally make the headlines in every other big race.
9: Well, in Monaco, it's more the driver. I mean, don't get me wrong, the car has to be there, and Mercedes' car here is, lately has been terrible. At least for Lewis, it has. Russell's been kicking butt, but Lewis is struggling. But in Monaco, if he's going to do anything, it's going to be in Monaco because it's more of the, uh, a driver course it's so narrow it's it's, if you don't get pole in monaco Mm -hmm. you're done you're uh, if you're off the first row basically you're done so i mean as as a practice today lewis was 12th i think russell was fifth so it's going to be a tough go for both of them but yeah i mean if you have a good car yeah that that'll get you over the hump but it's kind of it's to me it's car and driver If you have a great car that's great but you got to have a driver that can put it there
0: is Charles Leclerc that guy from Ferrari that really is going to be uh, kind of your favorite to, to try to win this weekend?
9: That is Leclerc. Not Leclerc.
0: Leclerc. Right. Leclerc.
9: Leclerc. Leclerc.
0: Like in, mm, Leclerc, Like an like an Eclair. It's a Leclerc. Okay. Thank you for the yeah. thank you for the correction on that one, BT. And that's why I've got you on here because there is a uh, there's a pitcher for the Rangers whose last name is LeClerc, pronounced LeClerc. So here in baseball, it's LeClerc. In F1 racing, it's LeClerc.
9: LeClerc. Got it. It's LeClerc. So, yeah, LeClerc. Put uh, it but, but this way. He, had a, he, he uh, drove a Niki Lada's old Ferrari, and he wrecked it uh, last week. So And last year, he had car trouble before he even got on the grid. So, man, fingers crossed. But I think he can do it. But, man, it's racing, and that's what makes racing so great. You just never know. So, but if he, if he gets pole and he lives there also, I'm pretty sure he lives there also. So I, I, I got him for the favorite. I got him for the favorite to win it, yeah.
0: All right. Uh, BT, as we continue here on Sports Talk, tell me about the Indy 500 as well and, and what you're expecting as far as that race. Uh, is the weather supposed to improve in Indianapolis this weekend?
9: Man, this weather right now is like a woman mood ring. It's like, man, I don't know what's happening, but right now it is in the garbage. I mean, like, it rains, and all of a sudden the sun was just shining just now, and then it went back in the cloud. It's kind of like a perfect storm, like, it ain't going to let us out. It ain't going to let us out. So um, I think Sunday is going to be good, but all you need to know are these two words, Ganassi Racing. Chip Ganassi has four out of the five cars on the first two rows, man. This guy, honestly... If, they're the, if they are the New England Patriots of uh, the IndyCar racing, then Scott Dixon, who just got his fifth pole position, he's one short of Rick Mears' uh, record of six. Scott Dixon, man, is the most underrated driver in the in maybe IndyCar history. I'm talking underrated. Even though he's a five-time world champion, uh, he's underrated. But for some reason, I don't know why, starting next to him on the road, I have Alex Palau from Spain. Who's also a, I'm pretty sure, a Ganassi racer. For some reason, I think he's going to be the winner. I think he, I don't know why, but I think he's going to uh, beat uh, Dixon this week.
0: Interesting. All right. Um, and then I'm wondering also, I guess O'Ward is another one. Uh, he just signed a contract extension with McLaren through 2025. That broke earlier this morning. Do you put him in the uh, possible uh, contention for the uh, race? You must have been reading my mind.
9: I got Patty O'Ward. I, yeah, I, I think it's funny. He's got a Mexican Irish name, Patty O'Ward. It's Patty He come from Mexico. The no part of Mexico they don't talk about. But yeah, I got I got him. Um, for some reason I I like this kid. So I got him somewhere in the top five. He could be a winner. He could be a a, a, a an outside threat. Uh, but I like I like Scott Dixon. But for some reason I got to go with Alex Palau. And also I like the former F1 guys. I like Erickson. and I definitely like Grosjean. Yeah. So uh, I got I got Grosjean. I like I like him. I don't know if he can pull it off, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, put it this way.
0: Interesting. And by the way, you said Formula F1 racers go into Indy. Is it considered an easier tour for them um, in terms of the cars themselves, what they're used to for F1 racing?
9: You know, it's funny you say that. I was uh, talking to the F1 driver uh, a couple of years ago when I was in Spain, not the name drop. And uh, and we were talking, and, and I go, what's the difference? He goes, the big difference basically is the G-forces. When you hit those turns, And I mean – and F1, he goes, you have to get your neck really strong for what you go through with the G-forces. And you don't really appreciate it until you're down on that level. And if you see Martin Brundle when he's reporting on from trackside and hit those turns, then you go, oh, that's what that's about. And that's what he said. It's more of the G-forces. and But it's funny you said it because uh, Fernando Alonso, who I think is probably the greatest just natural driver, he came to Indy a couple of years ago. And, you know, and as a rookie, he almost won it, granted He's, F1, he's won in everything. He's an F1 champion, and he's, he's a classic, and he almost won it. He had a kind of a crappy car, and it, and it crapped on him, but I think he was going to win it. So he would have he put those guys to shame. So from F1 to Indy, I think the perception is Indy is, uh, you know, definitely a, a great below, but those guys can still race, man.
0: How do you describe what it's like uh, as somebody that's attended the uh, Indianapolis 500 multiple times at Indy Motor Speedway? What is the experience like as a spectator?
9: If you've never been, and even if you're like an outside, like, I don't know if I want to go, you got to go. Because it's an experience, man. I mean, over 300,000 people in one place. I'm talking from infield to the stands. Everybody's cool. They got their own coolers. They're drinking, but they're not obnoxious. Um, it's, man, it's just a, it's a Super Bowl of motorsports. Like I said, everybody's cool. And let me tell you something, even if you're not an car fan or a racing fan, you just soak in that environment, man. I mean, from the moment those cars, when they, they start up you're like, whoa, and they come around and do a little wave lap. And once they start, when that pace car goes in and they come around and go, and they start racing, dude, let me tell you, man, you will utter every obscenity that you've ever your life that first lap i promise you it is nothing short of motor
0: gasmic. love it comic legend bt coming to el paso in a couple of weeks we will be at the comic strip looking forward to that enjoy the weekend of racing we appreciate you coming on and joining us on the show today bt thank you
9: it's no thank you man i i, I love it uh, talking racing i'm the only dork i don't have anybody to talk to so anybody that's a dork like me can talk racing i can i could be here all day so man thank you for having me brother
0: When we come back, story time with Hags. Right now, Charlie One's got our final traffic update here. 600 ESPN El Paso.